Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Beyond the shadow of a doubt, the most amazing location in all the world is at the foot of the cross of Christ. It was there that emotions ranged from horror to peace, from guilt to forgiveness, from terror to calm, from hatred to love, and from unbelief to faith in God. One of the figures who stood out at the foot of the cross was a Roman centurion who commanded a large band of soldiers as they conducted the crucifixion. He was a front-row spectator to the greatest event in all of history. What a tremendous privilege for a hard, ungodly sinner that he no doubt was. Yes, the centurion watched the entire scene. He was there from the beginning of the sordid deed and stayed until its horrific end. And he watched three men die in agony that day. But he was moved by the one on the middle cross. What he saw and what he heard caused a response in his heart that changed his life and his eternity. We're going to break in on the crucifixion scene at verse 41. Matthew 27, verse 41, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him... Deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land, until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Last night, for those that were here, you'll remember that I was reading in Luke chapter 23 about the man who was crucified by the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of those thieves, or as the Bible calls them, a malefactor that was crucified with his partner in crime, the other thief, on each side of the Lord Jesus. And I sought, with the help of God, to help you to see the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus through the eyes of that man who was crucified. 
by the side of the Lord Jesus. Tonight I would like you to see that crucifixion, what was done to the Lord Jesus through the eyes of the centurion, the soldier who was responsible to carry out that act of crucifixion. It's very interesting to contrast these two individuals. I believe that there were many that were saved while this crucifixion was unfolding of our Lord Jesus. I believe there were many. I have no idea how many, because we read here in Matthew uh, chapter 27 and verse 54, uh, it says there were many. Uh, There were those, when these things were done, they feared God and said, truly, this was the Son of God. The centurion joined in with that. And Luke uh, chapter 23 tells us, he said, certainly this was a righteous man. And so there's evidence that this centurion spoke twice. He had two statements to make. The one found here, truly, this was the Son of God. The other found in Luke's gospel, certainly, this was a righteous man. He was profoundly moved by what he saw. And we're going to look at what he saw through his eyes tonight. Because it's very unique. And I would say no one else really saw what he saw. Because he stood there and observed it all as the one who was in command, the one who was directing every movement of what took place from the time Pilate released him until he opened his mouth and spoke these words, truly, this was the Son of God. I don't know what kind of a man this centurion was. We don't know how old he was. We don't know where he came from. We don't know anything about his background. But centurions were known to be rough soldiers. He likely had a past as long as your arm of things that he had been involved in. He was posted now to Judea. He had a terrible job on his hands because he was in an area where there was lots of rebellion and factions and things that he had to deal with with his Roman soldiers under his command. He was under the direct command of of Pontius Pilate and likely other men that would direct and, and control him. He was a rough soldier's man. The Bible tells us about several centurions, doesn't it? In Acts, the book of Acts, we see two centurions. One was Cornelius of the Italian band. The other one was Julius. Both of them, I believe, came to know Christ as their Savior, just as this man here in Matthew chapter 27. But I'm sure he had a past that likely haunted him. Just as the thief who was crucified by the Lord Jesus side had a past that haunted him. And we read here in chapter 27 that at the beginning of that crucifixion, what were both thieves doing? We read about it, didn't we? They were both casting the same in his teeth. Both of the thieves were blaspheming. But one man changed his mind and the other died in his sins. One changed his mind in repentance and received Christ and was received right into glory not long after the Lord Jesus died. The other thief went down to hell and lost his soul. And now we see the man who's standing at the foot of those crosses. And he's looking up at that whole scene as it unfolds. And he's watching this man who was on the middle cross. It must have just flooded his soul with thoughts of his past, thoughts of his future. And as he watched the Lord Jesus, he finally realized, this is the one I need as my Savior. I wonder if there's someone in the meeting tonight and you're willing to consider the Lord Jesus in a way that you never have before. In spite of whatever might be in your past, 
A lot of people stop short because they feel they have such a past that they'll never get saved. And they wonder whether the Lord Jesus could ever save them out of what they've experienced and out of what they've been involved in. And they somehow think because of that past that they don't even want to talk about. And they would forget it if they could. They try to drive it out of their mind. And it torments them. And they think somehow because of that awful past, they're not worthy of ever receiving God's salvation. They think it's too late for them. I've met people like that. I've met people who have told me, it's too late for me. I wonder if the thief on the cross thought that. He had every reason to. He had every reason under the sun to think, it's too late for me. Look at what I've done. And now it's all caught up with me. And I'm being crucified for my crimes. You know what? He discovered there was a Savior in tenderness and compassion who was willing to reach out to him with that very hand that was nailed to a cross and give him eternal life. We're in the business of telling men and women that no matter how far you've gone in sin and no matter how long you've stayed, no matter what you've done, there is a Savior who is willing to forgive and who can save your soul. I've dealt with some individuals in the past and I'm dealing with some right now. And I'll tell you, sometimes when they talk to preachers, we don't want confessions from anybody. And we don't delve into anybody's past. That's not our job. Sometimes people will just come out and tell us. And they think by shocking us that we'll sort of just throw our hands up and, and back away and say, well, you know, I'm sorry, but it's too late for you. I've never done that yet with a man or a woman or a young person because I know in my heart he is able to save to the uttermost. I'm dealing with a man right now and it just breaks my heart to try to talk to him because he's struggling. And he's told me all the details. Oh yes, the authorities are involved, but he's tormented by what he did. And I've had several conversations with him. And the man is struggling because in his mind, he thinks he's gone too far. And I'm trying to persuade him that no matter what a man or woman ever does, God is able to save if they will only come in simple, honest repentance and accept God's provision. Or you say, oh, I, I can hardly take that in. Well, what about the thief on the cross? What about the Apostle Paul himself? who went out persecuting and, and was even responsible for the death of Stephen. They laid their coats at his feet. He was the official witness. He saw himself as a murderer. God saved him. That's why in Timothy he writes of himself as the chief of sinners. And yet Christ died for him. For salvation. And I'm sure this Roman centurion had likely been involved in many a skirmish. Many a man likely was laid lifeless at his feet. But now he's watching the Lord Jesus. And from the time he was sent out from Pilate's judgment hall, that centurion would have been the man who directed everything that took place. When they stripped his robe from him and put the purple robe on him, and the soldiers began to gather around and abuse, physically abuse the Lord Jesus, buffeting him, plucking the hairs from his cheeks, weaving a crown of thorns to beat into his brow, tying him to that whipping post and bringing the scourge down on his back. Do you know what that centurion's job was? To make sure that the prisoner was delivered alive to the cross. Because those beatings and those 
things that they did could actually kill the prisoner. His job, one of his jobs, was to make sure the prisoner was still alive and breathing when they nailed him to a cross. And so he directed every aspect of what was going on. As they led the Lord Jesus, bearing his cross up that lonely hill called the place of a skull. And he would have directed those Roman soldiers as they outstretched his hands. I believe he did it willingly. Drove those nails into his hands and his feet. There were the other two prisoners, no doubt struggling and cursing and swearing. The Bible tells us they were blaspheming. And the crosses were raised. And then the centurion would have stood back. Now his job was changed. He had to wait. He had to watch. He had to make sure that that crucifixion ran its course smoothly, with no interruptions. No one trying to make a rescue, a last-ditch effort to save those criminals. And that cordon of soldiers was there as the people walked by mocking and crying out. Something happened in the middle of that crucifixion that that centurion was totally unprepared for. And as he was there responsible for crucifying the Lord Jesus, suddenly his whole attitude changed. And from one of merely crucifying the Lord Jesus, he began to consider the Lord Jesus. He began to think about what's going on here. And I hope that as we preach the gospel, some of you in this meeting will change in your thinking from what your thoughts have been toward the Lord Jesus, like the world around us that hates the Lord Jesus and have taken him out of whatever they can in every way that they can remove him. They're trying to do it in ways all across this country and down in the United States and around the world. They'd like to stamp out the name of Christ because they hate him. There's no other reason. They hate that lovely name. and They want their sin and their rebellion and their shame over the meek and lowly Lamb of God. I hope as we preach tonight, you will change your mind from one of opposition and a desire to stamp out that name like they tried to do there in Jerusalem that day to one of quietly considering who is this man anyway? What has he done? And realize, perhaps for the first time in your life, he was there for me. And as that centurion watched the Lord Jesus and the event that he was totally unprepared for, suddenly fell down upon that scene as thick darkness wrapped that scene. I remember seeing a picture of painting many years ago by a famous artist, and it showed the depiction of the darkness. You could barely see the crosses, and around the cross were Roman soldiers sitting down with their knees up under their chins and their robes over them in fear just wondering what is going on, and yet not willing to leave their posts, just sitting there in fear and trembling. He would have heard the cry of the Lord Jesus there at the foot of the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even before that, he would have heard the words of the Lord Jesus, the exchange between him and that thief. He was the one who directed the manhandling of those thieves to see them nailed to their crosses. He would have observed the change. Do you know what I see here? I believe his eyes were mainly on the Lord Jesus, but he saw something else too. He saw the change in a man who was a blasphemer just a short while before. A rough thief and blasphemer. And he saw him change from that 
to one who cried to the Lord Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And I am sure there was a change that came over that thief by the side of the Lord Jesus that that centurion would have noticed, that would have affected him. Who is this man? How could he change a dying thief by his side just with a few words? Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. All of these things would have astounded him as he watched the Lord Jesus. And as the darkness lifted, and that scene was once again flooded with light, and hearing this cry reverberating, it is finished. In the Greek language, it's one word, telestiae. Finished, paid in full, complete. And it says, the rocks began to break. The earth began to shake under his feet. Runners likely came with the news the veil's been rent in two in the temple. What is going on here? Imagine the very earth moving under his feet. And as he looked around, he'd have heard those final words, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He bowed his head, and he would have seen the Lord Jesus quietly. His body would have quietly sagged and gone silent and still. And he would have known he's dead. He's gone. He didn't turn away in despair. He didn't just dismiss it as another criminal crucified. In utter amazement and astonishment, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. Certainly, this was a righteous man. And he must be the Son of God. Oh, I wonder if you could only see that tonight in your heart of hearts, that this man is the Son of God. This is the one who is worthy to receive the praise of angels. The creator of heaven and earth come down to man to provide salvation. And the world just despises it. There are many in this world tonight that have been faced with the claims of Christ and they've made the same sad decision. No Christ for me. I'll take my sin. I'll take the pleasures of this world. I'll take whatever I can get my hands on. Don't bother me with the name of Christ or the claims of Christ. I'll do it my way. I hope you don't make that decision tonight. I hope you'll be like this centurion that we read about here in Matthew 27 and in Luke 23, who cried out in utter astonishment. Everything that he heard in his consideration of the Lord Jesus brought him to an open confession. Think of it. He began crucifying the Lord Jesus. The last one in the chain of command who carried out the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. He started to consider the Lord Jesus. And he ends with a bold confession. Truly, this was the Son of God. My Bible tells me, Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. As I thought of quoting that verse, it just came to me. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. We've been considering two men tonight. A thief and a centurion. Neither one of them knew anything about the resurrection of Jesus Christ when they trusted him. And yet they saw enough to rest their souls on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have something that they never had. The truth of his glorious resurrection. 
but it just came to me for the first time, actually this evening when I was thinking about this meeting. Hadn't really thought about it before. Here are two men that got saved, truly born again, I believe, as they trusted Christ, and they didn't even know about the resurrection. The one would never know on earth. Oh, in heaven, of course, he would have known more details, I'm sure, than we know. The second one never knew until three days later, when the news would have spread like wildfire. He's risen, and I am sure that man would have just a settled peace, would have just flooded into his soul, and he would know, I made the right decision. I came to the right conclusion. Truly, he is the Son of God. And if you would come tonight and accept what God is providing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you could have the same settled peace and conviction in your heart that he's my Savior and my Lord. I'll live for him, I'll serve him, and I'll spend eternity with him. That can be your portion tonight, if you would only come. What a great confession by that Roman centurion so many years ago. He said this, Truly, this man is the Son of God. Have you discovered that? We don't mean a mere academic knowledge of who Christ claimed to be, but have you discovered this great Savior for yourself? Has he made a change in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what transpired there on the cross for all of mankind? For you. Have you ever looked into your own soul and acknowledged your great need to have your sins forgiven? We trust that today's broadcast will have your eyes opened to the gospel truth, how that Christ died for sinners and invite you to come to him and to him alone for salvation. Yes, both the thief on the cross and the centurion are in heaven today because of what they did with the Lord Jesus Christ when they had the opportunity. Are you going to do the same? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.